Please remain standing and pray with me. Our Father, we thank you for bringing us here to this place. Lord, would you fence us in with your presence today? We are prone to wander and we feel it, God, and we ask that you would, as our good shepherd, uh, help us to rest here in this moment. Help us to lie down and to hear the good news of the gospel right now amidst all of the chaos of this life, all of the uh, various things that are happening outside the four walls of this church and that are happening uh, even right now in our own hearts and minds. God, would you, would you fence us in and help us to wander in your safe pasture today? We thank you for the good news. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So today, if you hadn't noticed, is the fourth Sunday of Easter, a.k.a. Good Shepherd Sunday. So how many people in this room have ever seen a real live sheep not at a pet- petting zoo? few people? Man, that's, I was impressed in the first service. I'm still impressed. Uh, have, you, have you ever met a real live shepherd? Anybody? No, yeah. See, I know a few real men. You know, men who cut their steak with their knife that they always carry, and then, the, and then they eat that steak with the knife. Uh, men like that. I have a friend in Texas, when he was a boy, he jumped on and subdued a gator. An alligator, y'all. Uh, there's, there's a few priests over in Louisville who have manly stories to tell. I got nothing. I got nothing. I am a city boy to the core. So the word shepherd is a word that we hear all the time in the church and nowhere else. Most of us, most days, sit in our sanitized, vacuumed, dirt and bacteria-free, conditioned spaces. We eat our skinless, boneless, breaded, shrink-wrapped meat with a side of pre-cut, pre-washed lettuce. See, we are culturally and literally miles away from the task of shepherding. And so, as 2018 American city dwellers, we have to use our imaginations to get from the icon of the good shepherd to the dangerous and rocky pasture lands surrounding Jerusalem. So this morning, I don't recommend necessarily, this is not always bad form, but I don't recommend Googling shepherding, okay, or consulting Wikipedia or even reading commentaries on the Bible. The place that I went and the place that we should go is we should read the story of Jesus according to John and read the Old Testament for our information. And so, the Gospel of John... This story is all about feast days. On my count, John mentions feasts no less than 18 times. Jesus' public ministry begins at a wedding feast. He mentions the Feast of Booths and the Feast of Dedication. He mentions the Feast of Unleavened Bread or the Passover. He mentions that at least seven times. And feast days in Israel are all about what? They're all about sacrifice. Where do sacrifices take place? Anybody know? 
the temple. In this, if the setting of John's gospel is the feast day, then the temple is the place where all the action happens. The synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, they all climactically lead to the temple at the end of the gospel. But John starts and continues and finishes at the temple. He mentions it at least 14 times in the gospel. Uh, I'm not a very good counter, so don't take any of those words as gospel, those numbers as gospel. But in John chapter 2, he begins with the cleansing of the temple. And then the Jews said to him, what sign do you show us for doing these things? And Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. And the Jews then said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you will raise it up in three days? But... He was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scriptures and the word that Jesus had spoken. So John's gospel is all about feast days, and feast days happen at the temple, okay? And feast days in Israel are all about sacrifice. So what? So what? Well, what is exactly right? What do they sacrifice? Anybody know? Sheep. They sacrifice sheep. Without sheep, without the blood of the atonement for sin, Israel cannot enter into God's presence. And so sheep are not a particularly complicated character in, God, in John's gospel. Sheep do two things, okay? One, they wander. And two, they eat. That's it. That's all the sheep do. They can't fence and feed themselves. They cannot mend their own wounds, nor can they protect themselves from predators. While I was trying to finish writing this, this sermon, my two-year-old uh, little sheep in my house, like a sheep without a shepherd, she fell so many times and wounded herself so many times. She has the scabs on her leg to prove it. Sheep. And shepherding were central to the life of Israel. A male sheep or goat without blemish was the means that God gave his people so that their sins could be atoned for. And so that by faith they could enter into his presence. A spotless lamb slain by a ritually pure priest so that a sinful people could have fellowship with a holy God. And so John's gospel is all about feast days, and feast days happen at the temple, and temple is all about sacrifice, and sacrifice is all about sheep. But the point of shepherding illustrations in the Old Testament is not centrally about the helpless sheep. It's about the shepherd. The shepherd. We just sung Psalm 23, outlines the work of a good shepherd. A shepherd leads sheep through dangerous terrain. He guards against wolves and lions from outside the flock. He seeks out the wolves and the sneaky foxes who are hiding within the flock, and he gets rid of them, and he might even have to kill them with his bare hands or maybe with a slingshot. A shepherd fences the sheep in to wander in safe pastures. Always moving to fresh pastures, he leads them to living water and not to drink from stagnant pools. He makes them lie down. He binds their wounds. 
And so the task of shepherding is largely negative work. It's largely negative work. Killing predators, binding wounds, protecting and leading sheep. Like a gardener who is constantly picking weeds, this negative work is the glory of the shepherd. It's the glory of the shepherd. The Old Testament story continues. Ezekiel chapter 34, thus says the Lord God, Ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. So the shepherds of of Israel, even the shepherd king David, they all failed. And so John begins his story of Jesus where the story of the Old Testament left off. He begins with the cleansing of the temple. Okay, This is unique to John's account. We learn in John that the money changers in the temple are selling sheep. When Jesus drives the money changers out, John adds that they are driven out with the sheep. Our sermon text describes these money changers, these faithless shepherds of Israel as hired hands who care nothing for the sheep. Right before our text, they are thieves and robbers. And in John's gospel, Judas is a thief in chapter 12. And Barabbas is a robber in chapter 18. And so uh, the, the, the sheep are sold and not sacrificed. The shepherds of Israel failed, and just like their pagan neighbors, the temple had become a house of commerce. But Psalm 23 and Ezekiel 34 and John 10, these prophetic texts are not about actual sheep. This is kind of one of those duh points. They're not about actual sheep. The sheep, as Ezekiel says, are the people, right? So the shepherds are the pastors who did not lead their people well. So all of this introduction begs the question, begs the question, what was the shepherd's particular sin? Where did they go, where did they go astray? And so the answer to this question is the main idea of our text. Hear this. The Messiah, the long-awaited rescuer of the sheep, must be both the shepherd king, and the sacrificial lamb. Hear that again. The Messiah, the king in the line of David, the long-awaited rescuer of the sheep must be both the shepherd king and the sacrificial lamb. Look with me at John chapter 10. John chapter 10 and verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life For the sheep, verse 15, I know my own and my own know me. 
and I lay down my life for the sheep. Verse 17, for this reason the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. Verse 18, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge to die, this charge I have received from my Father. And so Jesus reminds us that the central qualification, the defining characteristic of a good shepherd is that he lays down his life for the sheep. So the gospel writer John combines the imagery of both the shepherd king, the good shepherd, and the lamb into one person, into one person, the Davidic king. John chapter 1. John the baptizer twice introduces us to his cousin Jesus. Behold the lamb. And the gospel ends at the cross. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. As as one of my pastors growing up says, Dear reader, from from John's baptism in chapter 2 to the baptism of his crucifixion in chapter 19, the entire ministry of Jesus is the Lamb atoning for the sins of his people. So Jesus is the sacrificial Lamb. But Jesus is also the good shepherd. And hear this. This is very important. The good good shepherd in Scripture is God himself. Is God himself. Ezekiel chapter 34. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths. For thus says the Lord God. Behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. I will seek out. I will rescue. I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries. I will feed them with good pasture. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak and the fat and the strong. I will destroy I will feed them in justice. Behold, I, I myself, will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep. I will rescue my flock. They shall no longer be a prey. I will judge between sheep and sheep. I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. So, If Ezekiel isn't clear enough, the gospel of John removes all doubt. In John's gospel, Jesus is the I am. He is being itself. Jesus is God. Jesus says in John chapter 8, before Abraham was, I am. John chapter 6, I am the bread of life. Chapter 8, I am the light of the world. Chapter 11, I am the resurrection and the life. 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 15, I am the true vine. And chapter 10, I am the door of the sheep, and I am the good shepherd. Later in chapter 10, the Jews respond in verse 33. It is not good for a good it is not for a good work that we are going to stone you but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. 
So Jesus was crucified for his claim to divinity. He says, I, am the fa- I and the Father are one. And so, all this leads back to the good shepherd, who is God himself, must save you. Three times in John's gospel, in 7 and in 8 and in 13, Jesus says, where I am going, you cannot come. I have to do this for you. You can't do this on your own. I will lay my life down for you, and only I can take it up again. So Jesus is both the good shepherd, the shepherd king, and our sacrificial lamb at the same time. So are you wandering and wounded in the valley? Where Jesus has gone, you cannot go. Where Jesus has gone, your spouse cannot go for you. The joy that Jesus gives, your children cannot give to you. Where Jesus has gone, Father Ben cannot go for you. Your best friend, the church, the perfect job, you and everyone else around you are helpless sheep. And praise God. He is our strong deliverer. God himself must seek us out, rescue you, feed you, and bind you up. And so the good shepherd is good news for the wandering and wounded disciple. And it's also good news for the confident and zealous disciple like Peter. Where Jesus has gone, you cannot go. You cannot save yourself. You cannot save those who are under your care. You are not the Christ You are not strong enough. Praise God. God himself must bring you back and strengthen you and bind you up. So Jesus laid down his life on the hard wood of the cross to rescue every last one of his sheep. He is both the good shepherd and the sacrificial lamb. So what? So what? (laughs) What does Jesus as the good shepherd mean for his disciples. In other words, why did John write this gospel to us sheep? Okay? I have a few points of application. All right? Number one, we need to believe the true story of the good shepherd. I, I almost didn't include this point to my shame. We turn up our noses at the legacy of Billy Graham to our peril. And this is very important. I want you to hear this. The first and central response is this. Walk the aisle and say the words, I believe he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's it. Believe in Jesus. Now, Jesus did many other things and many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this gospel. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So, believe and live today. I am the way and the truth and the life. Believe and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Believe the true story of the good shepherd. So again, what are we supposed to do 
after you believe, right? In the words of N.T. Wright, what do we do after you believe? The first thing, believe in the true story. The second thing, crucify the false story of the money changers. Crucify the false story of the money changers. All we like sheep have gone astray. We like to make a big deal about how dumb sheep are. That's a, I've heard a lot of sermons about dumb sheep, right? It's kind of funny. Sheep get stuck in the same ravine over and over again. Yeah, they drink soiled water. <laughs> they, eat down, they eat that trampled grass. And, and right around the corner, there's good pasture. Without thinking, right? Sheep repeat the same foolish actions, constantly consuming what will kill them. We graze. You and I, we consume the stories of HBO and Netflix without thinking. We rehearse the script of our culture over and over again. And in a culture of with immediate self-gratification, antidepressants have become the most prescribed drug in the United States, even exceeding blood pressure medication with their usage tripling during the 1990s. Everything is amazing and nobody is happy. What was Jesus' first miracle in the Gospel of John? He turned water into wine. Now, what is wine? Wine is a gift of God meant for feast days and gladness. Instead, we self-medicate our cultural depression with alcohol, a depressant. After all, the most important thing about you is to be true to your authentic self. Then you'll be happy. We graze. We consume the script of pornography, the normalcy of watching sexually explicit, culturally sophisticated, award-winning television. Sex is said to be a natural appetite like eating. Sex is just about physical pleasure. If we repress our sexual urges, it will harm us psychologically and physically. After all, Medical science has proven it. We, like sheep, are addicted to the dopamine high of our adult entertainment. Like cocaine-addicted research mice, married people, single, men, women, serially addicted to socially acceptable dopamine highs. Sheep. The, sh the dumb sheep narratives we consume must be crucified. So this morning, ask the good surgeon to cut out the sin and to rewire the neuro pathways of our darkened imagination. I am the resurrection and the life. Ask Jesus to breathe life into your addictive patterns of dead self gratification so we believe the true story of jesus and every day we crucify the false story of immediate self-gratification and then then and only then lay down your life every person in this room has been given a space 
and a people to lead? Are you a manager or a priest, a businessman, a deacon? Are you a parent of little ones? Have your children grown up and left the pasture? Are you a child of aging parents? Do you serve in catechesis or in the nursery? Do you live next to other human beings? God has given you a pasture and sheep to shepherd. The phrase is so common now. It's so common that it's now cliche. A good leader is a sacrificial leader. Everyone who follows anyone knows it when they experience it. The central characteristic of a good leader is that they lay down their life for those in their care over and over and over again, no matter how boneheaded they are, no matter how many times they fall into the same ditch, no matter how many times you have to clean up their poopy mess. Christ follower, you are a shepherd. John chapter 13, Simon Peter said to Jesus, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. And Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you now. Jesus answered, will you lay your life down for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. So Jesus must go first. He had to go first. He is the firstborn from the dead. But every disciple will follow afterward. We are mirrors who reflect the sun that shines upon us. And so how are we to reflect the light of the world to the world. John chapter 15. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. John chapter 16. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God, and they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you, that when the hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. And John ends his gospel with this, Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. And this he said to show by what kind of death Peter was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, Follow me. True leadership is sacrificial leadership. Lay down your life. Now, remember, the task of shepherding is largely negative and dirty work. Killing predators, binding wounds, protecting and leading sheep. So we need to be vigilant even unto death. As you love Christ, love the sheep in your care. Pray for your shepherd team. 
Pray for Father Ben, your under-shepherd in Christ, your pastor. Pray for Lisa Breeding, who shepherds us all through the valley of the shadow of communication. Pray for all bishops and other ministers, for all who serve the good shepherd in his pasture. Number four, I'm almost done, almost done. Read the word, feed the word. Read the word and feed the word. To lay down your life for those in your care does not mean that you are a doormat. Parents, to lay down your life for your children looks like comforting your two-year-old daughter in the middle of the night who turns out to have a splinter in her foot. Does that sound like a true story? That was all my wife. She's a good shepherd. To lay down your life does not mean letting your toddler walk all over you. Jesus laid down his life for his own, and he spoke with boldness and authority. Jesus, the Word made flesh, devoted himself to reading the words over and over again and speaking them with authority. A good shepherd like Father Ben will die for you and Speak with bold conviction. You, shepherd, have something to say. So what do you say? What do we say? John ends his gospel with these questions. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Tend my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. We have to read so that we can feed. Just like the Apostle Peter or your grandma or your Sunday school teacher growing up, we are called to feed the sheep in our care. So we must read. How do you get started? How do you get started? Well, we have handouts, y'all, on the pews. There's several of these scattered around, and they're in the front and the back. How do you get started? Well, you just did. You just did. The central way that we engage with Holy Scripture is by hearing it every week right here in this church. Hear and believe the good news again. The second thing, reflective reading. You don't have to read the Bible for hours on end every day. You can read one little part of one verse and meditate upon that for the rest of your day. Do that every day. The third way is to read the Bible in whole, whole book form, okay? If, if we're going to be shaped by the stories of the Bible, we can't break it up into little parts all the time. We have to read the whole story in one sitting. So on the back of this sheet, there's times listed for all of the books of the Bible, okay? So you can read through the whole Bible in 40 weeks. You have 12 weeks, 12 weeks that you can miss. It's okay. Sit down. Instead of watching three and a half hours of Netflix in a row, spend an hour and 45 minutes reading the Gospel of John. You can, you can read the Bible pretty quickly that way, okay? Whole book readings. The fourth thing, do Bible study. We think that this is the way you got to go to seminary and have a study Bible and understand all the historical background and all that stuff to, to engage with the Bible. This is so far down the list. This is so far down the list. We engage primarily at Christ Church in Bible study in our life groups. So join a life group. And the last thing, sing the Bible. Sing the Bible. If you're an artsy person, uh, make, a, make a, a Hobby Lobby 
uh, scripture verse and put it on the wall in your house. Write the word on the doorpost of your house. Talk about it when you lie down and when you get up. Okay? So it's not, it's not particularly complicated, but we have to read the word if we are to feed the word. If we are going to be a shepherd, we have to read the word. And finally, mercifully, lastly, we have to come to the table. Hear the comfortable words of Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And again, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give you for the life of the world is my flesh. So come to the table and eat and live. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.